Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Cross Border Interview Podcast. This is where I usually say I'm your host, as always, Christopher Brown, but today that's not the case. Today we turn the microphones on me. I hand the microphone over to my husband to interview me, and he didn't tell me the questions beforehand and didn't give me a heads up of where the interview was going. We talk about Calgary, family traditions, this podcast, and among other things, one year of marriage. So sit back, relax, and enjoy cross-border interviews featuring Christopher Brown. Whenever you're ready, I'm giving this over to you under protest like you're stalking. Really? Mother Tell me. Fudger! <laughs> Spilled coffee on myself. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I think that's almost karmic because you usually offer drinks whoever comes to your shows, and I had to get my own drink today, so that's okay. Well, you know what? It's your house too, so I thought you can do whatever you want so you can get whatever drink. I'm not I'm not here to serve on you hand and foot. Oh wow. Well, this is news to me. That's not what you said when you mm-hmm. proposed marriage, but anyway, <laughs> here we are today. Uh, almost a year into a marriage. How does that? This is going to air one year as of our marriage. No way. It's yeah, really December twenty eighth is the day that this comes out, so we will be officially married for one full year. Wow. What does that feel like to you? Not as much of a difference than prior to the marriage. Really? When I got married, when we got married, I should say. I was going to say, there, <laughs> were two, there were two of us at that place. When I got married, when we got married, sorry. Wow, um, that's 40, twice in a row. Party and sleep. When we got married, uh, people kept on coming up to me and saying, it's going to change, everything's going to be different. And with you and uh, the moment after the wedding, it didn't feel different in the sense that you and I had changed. It felt different in the sense that I now was living a life with somebody else. Mm-hmm. So beforehand, before we got married, before the engagement, it was Ricardo and Chris, Ricardo and Chris. Now it's Ricardo and Chris. So It doesn't sound very different. It doesn't sound different, but in my mind it does. So uh, prior to that, it was always, I wonder what Ricardo's doing today. He's doing his job. He's down in Calgary. I'm up in Faust. So it was always thinking about you in that sense, like you're somewhere else, where after we got married, I felt it was more, wonder what we can do together. Hmm, interesting. Wonder what uh, Ricardo and Chris can do together tonight, whether that be staying in, sleeping, or staying in and uh, just relaxing, watching TV. So Or knitting. Or knitting, for you. I tried to knit once and... That was a disaster. <laughs> I will admit. learned very quickly that Chris does not learn knitting that easily and doing small things with his hands is not a good task for him to do on any occasion. So what else have you learned in this year? Um, what else have I learned? Wow. I was not prepared for that question. I know. What else have I learned in this year? I've learned more about myself as a person, and I've learned more about how to be a better partner. Okay. Does that make sense? Okay. Well, what does that mean to you, though? So a partner to me means someone that you can rely on, someone that you, if you're feeling down, if the other person's feeling down, you can help them cheer them up somehow. You can... uh, uh, serve them on hand and foot when they're sick, when they're tired, when they're in a different place. And as a partner, from my perspective, uh, I was never that prior to this marriage. Mm -hmm. And then after this marriage, it sort of became more real to me that, you know what, this person is the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. This is the person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. And I need to start not just worrying about myself and start worrying about everyone in the marriage. Oh, that's so sweet. So tell me, what don't you like about being married? (laughs) Um, What don't I like about being married? I think the honest question is, uh, if we could learn how to do chores, that'd be greatly appreciated. Oh, like I have been doing all week. Two days does not make... (laughs) Two days does not make a week, okay? Well, one of us cooks, the other one has to clean. That's just the way it works. Exactly, and someone likes to put dishes in the dishwasher even though the dishwasher is completely empty. I'm not saying who, I'm just saying that that seems to be the case in her. But honestly... 
over the last year, I don't think there's been a moment in my a moment in the last year where I've said, I wish I wasn't married or I wish I hadn't gone through with this. Uh, marriages are hard, right? There, there's ups and downs along the ways, and uh, uh, I think we've become. Uh, simpatico in our uh, roles of husband and husband, right? Because prior to this, we never really had that conversation. We never sat down, even prior to the wedding, and said, okay, this is what we're going to do, and this is what you're going to do. We just sort of took it upon ourselves and the roles sort of just became what they were going to be. Mm. So, I, I don't think I dislike anything about marriage. I think if there is a marriage out there that says they dislike something, it, it's a little bit you need to look a little bit harder because honestly the ups and downs make what a marriage is right so i i appreciate everything that we've done and i appreciate everything that we're going to do and i love everything that we do and we don't and we when we fight we fight and we don't we don't well i'm gonna be using this in the future you understand so i will refer to this whenever you're you're kvetching about any particular item that i do or do not do but that's good so a year in and we're having uh, a lot of uh, first we have our first home how does that how does that feel like um i never thought i would live with someone ever again uh it was it was hard um when we brought the house i had a mini breakdown i think you noticed that it was a big change and a big moment and uh we both loved a house different houses that we were looking at but at the end of the day we decided on this house that we currently live in and over the last i would say nine months would you say this is a a compromise house then no god no no god no um because when we talked about it and you made your points and i made my points and your points uh made me change my mind because you were able to eloquently state why this house would be better and i looked at it from your perspective i said it is and the nine months that we've lived here so far i can say actually will be nine months on the 28th too yeah that's right holy crap i know the 28th is a big day for us well you know some of us remember that some of us don't apparently i don't I did not re- I did not put two and two together until just now. But no, overall, I love this house. Um, I don't think I would change anything about it. Like, there's little touch-ups that you'd want to do around the house. But overall, this is the perfect house to row in. And I'm happy that... Um, and I, I, I say this with all respect, we have our smell in it, mm-hmm. right? When you first move into a house or you go into someone else's house, they have their smell, right? Mm-hmm. This is our smell. Well, whether it be a good smell or a bad smell to other people, it's a good smell to us because when I come home, I feel like I'm home. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, well, we also had an, an, another first. We had your parents visit us for the first time. Uh, yes. Uh, they do listen to this, right? I don't know. And if they do, then yay. Hi, mom and dad. Uh, so I love you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, back in November, mom and dad came to visit for three days. It was the first time that they had been out here since the wedding, which was a year ago. And uh, we had them come visit. And it was actually a nice, relaxing visit. We didn't need to be on the whole time. And it felt very natural. And they gave us some good words of encouragement after they left. Or before they left, I should say. And overall, it's been one of those uh, memories that will go, okay, I'm happy that we hosted them. And I'm glad that they're back in Ontario three provinces away. We will see each other in six to seven months after. That's great. But uh, while they were here... Was there anything about the home that you were particularly proud to show off? What was what was your feeling like? Because it was the first time that you really had um, a place of your own, right? You were renting yep. before. This is the first time you own a place. Yeah. Well, um, the last time they came out to Alberta just to visit before the wedding was uh, th- uh, two and a half years prior to that. And when they did that, I lived up in a small remote community in northern Alberta, which was... Uh, three and a half hours from the nearest airport Mm -hmm. so the moment we got into the uh, car after I picked them up from the airport the first time they came out to Alberta uh, after driving an hour and a half I remember my father becoming the little child in the back seat saying are we there yet are we there yet are we there yet and I kept on saying oh we got another two hours got another hour got another half hour and we got to Slave Lake and then I said okay we must be there and I said no we still got another 45 minutes so (laughs) he kept on saying well I, 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 I appreciate that you live in this remote community but don't expect me to ever come back so when this time 
time came around, I was a little bit more proud because the drive from the airport to our house is under 10 minutes, let's say, if there's if there's bad traffic, 10 minutes. So when we got into the car and we got here, he goes, wow, that was quick. I was like, yep, I'm proud that you're able to say that was a quick drive because honestly it was. And for people who don't know, where do we live exactly? Uh, we live in Calgary, Alberta. Uh, we live in the northeast section and we are relatively close to uh, uh, the great... Uh, Calgary International Airport. Yeah. One of, well, another thing is that uh, this is a very diverse part of the community. Yes. Yes. It is a very diverse com- part of the community. The North East is typically known for the diversity within Calgary. And being someone who uh, has not seen a lot of diversity in his life, uh, whether it be up in northern Alberta or back in Ontario or Saskatchewan, Lloydminster, uh, th- I've never really been in an area where it's been diverse. So, Coming into an area, it was a little, uh, I wouldn't say uh, bit scary, but it was a bit uh, it was ner- nerve-wracking, and it was different, because it was uh, me not knowing what the culture would be around here, mm-hmm. and since we've moved in here, I can tell you right now, it feels like I'm living in Newcastle, living in Lloydminster, because our neighbors all stick to themselves, and we seem to all just look out for each other, which is nice. Yeah, and, and I will say that... Th- the neighbors actually have been very welcoming and they yep. uh, they have uh, spent time talking to us, telling us about, uh, you know, the community, the neighborhood and all that. So it's, it's always been very, very uh, interesting to me to live in the Northeast. It's the reason why I, I, I call it home because I've, I've grown up here and I love it here. And to me, it's, it's always been home. But... Uh, for somebody who's come from a place where it wasn't as diverse and and, uh, and and being in a community in northern Alberta for a little while, um, some of the things that I was concerned about was, uh, for example, the food. But you've adapted well to that. Tell me about that. Uh, I have a, a unique palate. <laughs> yes, you do. Let's leave it at that. If it's not KD, macaroni and cheese, uh, uh, meatloaf or meatballs or even beans and wieners, I typically didn't eat it prior to getting to know you. Uh, I will say that after we got together uh, and we started dating and get got engaged in the marriage, my palate has been uh, become, has expanded. Mm. So there are things that I thought I would never eat and I've learned a little bit. I think you're still trying to push the sushi on me, which I will say I will never eat. So pushing the sushi, that's uh, it's just called sushi, by the way, not the sushi. It's, <laughs> okay. it's, it's the same thing as saying the Internet or just the net. Um, but uh, just a couple of days ago, we had pakoras for the first time. Well, yes. I, it wasn't my first time, but it wasn't. It was, it was my first time and I had never tried them before. I honestly thought they were chicken. So when you picked them up at the grocery store, I was there with you and you said, would you eat this? I was like, sure. You asked if my mom and dad would eat them. I said, I don't know. I don't know what they eat, what they don't eat. Uh, but so, but they, they tried it. They said it had a little kick, but they liked it. And then they left. I didn't have any that night, but we had leftovers. So I cooked some up the next morning uh, for lunch and I tried them and I honestly liked them. So I would do them again. Mm-hmm. I might have some dipping sauce with them next time, but overall they were actually a good experience. So you are expanding my palate. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. And I think it's not, not necessarily just me. It's the fact that we live in a very multicultural part of the city. And we have lots of restaurants, lots of really cool places to hang out and get food from. But uh, not just that. Tell me more about now that you're here, now that you spend more time here, what do you see as uh, in the future? What, what, how do you see your um, the next year unfolding for you in this city? Good question, because... Every time I ask that question to anyone who comes and sits down or I go to sit down with them, it's hard to predict the future and what the future will hold. Um, Honestly, as we record this, we still have a few things that are coming up for me medically. So uh, that that. that might change. But at the same time, um, I want to get more involved in the community because... uh, I plan to make, uh, well, we plan to make Calgary our home for the next 10, 15, 20, 25 rest of our lives. Who knows how long? And I want to get more involved. So I've started reaching out to local organizations and I'm hopefully going to be sitting on their boards. And if not, then I'll be part of their membership and starting to get a little bit more involved 
overall because I see this as a great community that we live in right mm-hmm. we live in uh, one like you said one of the most diverse areas of uh, Calgary and I would say even Alberta yeah I, I would say that I have never lived in uh, Edmonton so I wouldn't know uh, if that if, if we to compare apples to oranges but uh, I it's the most diverse area that I've lived in and I think I can bring a unique perspective to that area so like I said I've started reaching out to organizations to see if they need any help and sit on the boards and who knows what the next year holds uh i know that we do uh there are challenging times ahead and we have to sort of band together as a community to work on those issues and i think that if we do that calgary will come out stronger as a whole city but also in the northeast particularly it will it will be seen as one of the leading forces of Calgary mm. because I think if the Northeast can lead the way, Calgary is doing fine. Yeah, well, you know, for somebody who spent uh, a lot of time in Northern Alberta um, and as you mentioned, growing up in uh, rural Ontario, what parts of that life do you miss now that you're living in the big city? I can tell you what I don't miss about it, that I think I can come up with. So I don't miss the every. So in the areas that I have lived, everyone knew you. Everyone knew who you were. So you, if you walk down the street walking the dogs, you, everyone would be able to say hi to you. Um, that's a good thing, but on the bad side, everyone knew if something happened. So if something happened to your house, something happened to you, everyone everyone would know within the town. So I would say that I don't miss that, but I do miss the close-knit community, that atmosphere of you could walk down the street and see people. I've walked uh, my dog Robin, our dog Robin, um, around Calgary a few times. I don't think I've seen the same person more once. Mm. So I do miss that, but I don't miss it in the same sense because now I get to get to know all these new people here, right? Because they all have different stories they have to tell and want to tell, and we just have to sit down and actually have that conversation. Well, it's funny thing you should say that because not too far from where we live, my brother has his house, and not further away from that, my mother and my sister and my cousins <laughs> all live. So it's kind of funny that you say that um, you walk around and you don't know many people, but you do have family that you've kind of married into. So how's that like? Um, I will say that the very first moment we started looking at the house that we currently reside in, uh, and I knew how close every one of your family members were, my initial reaction was, holy crap, we're going to be living in, I'm going to be living as Everyone Loves Ricardo, so a play on Everyone Loves Raymond TV show. I thought everyone was going to be here every week. I thought it was going to be like an unexpected visit every single time, but I will be the first to admit I was wrong, and I... You know what they say about a <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, I was wrong, and we have seen them Thanksgiving. We've seen them from time to time, but it's usually at the matriarchal uh, household. So it's nice to know that we have family around the area that we can call on if something happens. But at the same time, it's also nice that it feels like while they are 10 blocks away, 7 blocks away, 8 blocks away, however far they are, it still feels like there's a distance between us that we can have our own space. I will be translating this for my mother and she will be hearing from me. <laughs> I feel like a strongly worded essay is going to be coming my oh, way. Oh, yes, there will be. But, you know, the, the thing is, uh, the thing about family, the thing about home is that you have traditions. And one of the things that I've learned from you is that you have lots of traditions. My God, you have lots of traditions. The Browns were quite known for our traditions and uh, I think we have a tradition for every month and uh, the running joke in our family was we are a t- the Browns, I would say, and the Clarks uh, are a tight-knit group. The Browns will get together at the cut of a dime. They will get together if you graduate, if you uh, get married, anniversary, baby shower, a second baby shower, uh, stag and doe. We'll get together at Christmas, New Year's, Easter, Thanksgiving, you name it, we're always together. So, or even like when I left to come out west in Alberta, we got together for that. When another family member, they got together for that. When we come home, well, you saw it, when we came back to Ontario for three days before our honeymoon, we got together for that. We like getting together. It's a tradition of ours. We just, we like to stay connected, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I know other families might look at that as go, whoa, that's too much. But we look at it as not 
enough sometimes. It's interesting because you, you come from a family that does that all all the time. And by your own um, definition, you do it more often than, than most people. And, and at the same time, you were, I think, a little hesitant uh, into uh, where we moved eventually into this house because you thought we were going to have that with my family. So what was the difference? Um, so... You don't move to Alberta for any particular reason. You don't go halfway across the country for no particular reason. Um, I love my family. I love them to death. They are they are who I who we are. Um, but I was at a point in my life where I wanted to get on my own, and so I moved out west. And it those. Uh, Those moments where you get together started being less and less for me because I was out west. So I started become I started making my own traditions and started getting my own family out here, whether it be friends, family, or whatever. So when I met you and we got engaged and got married, um, I wanted traditions that you and I would have because as much as I love my family traditions, I want the Ricardo and Chris family traditions now. Mm-hmm. So I want traditions that you and I deal with. And while the Brown traditions will always be there, I will be, I'll be blunt. I'm looking forward to seeing what traditions you and I have. Well, it was kind of interesting from, uh, from listening to you now. I was handed a book of family recipes <laughs> of what to cook for uh, a brown get-together. Yep. Um, and uh, I spent uh, two days getting uh, more cooking lessons from your mother <laughs> and, and being told exactly how you like your eggs and, and how I should be cooking the bacon, turkey bacon, because it's kosher. We keep a kosher home, thank God. Um, and uh, much to the relief, I believe, of my parents and perhaps a rabbi listening out there. Um, <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, speaking of that tradition, um, one of the traditions that uh, I was not um, very enthusiastic about, shall we say, was the idea of celebrating Christmas because it's, you know, being a Jew. But um, you have a very strong tradition and uh, um, tell us a little bit more about that. So Christmas to me goes back to when I was young with my mom and my dad and my brother. Um We Christmas is, was always a big thing in our family. Always has been. Always will be. Um, when my it first started, I, I don't remember this like when how old I was, but I do remember setting up the Christmas tree with my mom, with my brother. Uh, my dad would usually be at work, or when he was there, he would help out sometimes. By that, he would be sitting on the couch watching us and instructing us. Being the manager, he is uh, telling us where the ornament should go and pulling everything out of the attic. So those memories to me was Christmas. It wasn't the, the opening of the presents the next day or on the 25th. It wasn't the stockings. It was the decorating. It was the atmosphere that is in the community, in the family, of everyone getting along, everyone doing what they want to do. So for me, that's what Christmas was all about. So when I moved out west, uh, I think to the detriment to anyone who I've ever met, October 31st, at midnight, the tree went up. I decorated the tree even I think two years even well, last year last year I was dec decorating the tree while kids were still trick-or-treating and I think I sent you a photo of it and you said oh my god what are you doing stop it right now so I believe I used other <laughs> words but sure we'll go with that we're doing the PG version yes so when Christmas comes around it's not the idea of the presents it's not the idea of Santa Claus coming down the chimney it's not the idea of sitting around waking up the next morning and unwrapping everything it's the idea of just the community spirit and the spirit that you get from being looking at a Christmas tree looking at stockings looking at just the the sheer happiness because it does make me feel like you know what even in the darkest times you can always see a little bit of light okay so Christmas has always been a big tradition for me and when uh I will say when we got together, I didn't know how it was going to go because last year, remember, we weren't married, but we were still together. We were engaged and we were planning a wedding. So uh, I felt like it was going to be my last Christmas because I just didn't know as I wanted to respect your traditions being Jewish and I didn't want to push the Christmas too hard on you. So when you when we got together, we got married and then 
about October, I was starting to talk about like, hey, I'll get a little Christmas tree. You did it a lot more than that. You so, started dropping hints. In, yes. I would say June of, the, of this year. Well, right, I just on. wanted to know, right? Because we had the conversation of what Christmas would be this year, what Hanukkah would be this year, and we came up with an idea. And then we, we had said that we can do minimalist, which to me was still good. So when... The day that I went out to get the Christmas tree, I said, okay, are you sure? You seemed okay with it. And I said, okay, I've given them one or two chances. I went out looking for a six-foot tree, like mm-hmm. just a six-foot tree, the smallest one that I could find, just one that would be in the corner, and that's it. For the record, we had discussed <laughs> this. It was, I think the maximum we agreed to was four feet, but yeah. go on. Anyway, so <laughs> I went out, and I went to a few thrift shops because I thought, okay, we are, we, we want to make sure we're not blowing the budget on the Christmas decorations. So I went to a few thrift shops and I found one and I said, oh, this is perfect. This would fit into our uh, front room. Brought it home in the look of sheer, uh, I'm not sure if it should be surprise, disgust, or how the hell are you going to fit that thing in this room? Because tell everyone how tall the the Christmas tree is. We are now sitting at a nine, uh, eight, probably let's say eight foot tall Christmas tree. I would say nine because it's, the the top actually bends, okay? Yeah, so let's say a nine-foot Christmas tree. I've never had a nine-foot Christmas tree, but for a $29 savings, why not get a nine-foot tall Christmas and, tree? And tell everyone how you sold me on keeping this particular tree. It's, well, so... You said something would go on the top of that. Yes. But nothing actually fits we on We have top not of that. found one. So to, to honor my husband's uh, Judaism... <laughs> Uh, I told him that if we can find a Star of David, which I think we can find, we will put it at the top of the Christmas tree. Uh-huh. Or, sorry, the non-denominational holiday celebration tree. <laughs> the non-denominational midwinter festival. There you go. So, when I told you that, you kind of were okay with it. I, I could tell in your heart you were still like, what the heck have I gotten myself into? Because at this time, you and I had not celebrated Christmas. We had not you had not seen how full-blown I go with for Christmas. But see, that's, that's what you thought you saw it in my reaction yeah however tell them what happened next so the moment we put up the tree like just the lights were on I was starting to have like a confirmation min- for the rabbis <laughs> I did not participate no he did not he did not um, so I put up the Christmas tree I started looking at it it felt like home now and I don't mean that in the sense that it never felt like home prior to that but it felt like our home right because I was able to bring a part of myself into this home that tradition was I might not have been able to beforehand. So I was getting overwhelmed. And then the sneaky little person that you are decided to go upstairs. And I thought, okay, he's upset. Something's wrong. I don't know what I've done, but I think I've just upset my husband. Because you're a bit of a drama queen, let's face it. Yes, let's face, let's face it. So you come back downstairs and you hand me four stockings. Mm-hmm. And I go, well, what's this? And he goes, these are stockings because you're Christmas and you like Christmas. And I'm like, holy crap, hold on two seconds. My husband has just gone out. He's Jewish. He's gone out and he's bought me Christmas stockings. Because we have a fireplace. And so, we have a perfect place to hang them. Yes. So it was all perfect. And then that moment, everything had flooded back to me of what Christmas actually means to me. It's not, and I, I say this with all respect. You're missing the most important part. What? You started weeping like a little girl. Okay, I didn't want to say that. <laughs> I should have said that was off topics. But anyway, so I did get emotional. So I did get emotional due to the fact that I had not expected you to do that. And for you you to go out of your comfort zone and do that it was very it was a touching moment for me so uh, I will be the first to admit that I did cry and it was uh, under protest that you did it because there's a big giant sign on your stocking that says Ricardo under protest that we put that up so but I thanked you for it because honestly it meant more to me for you to put those for you to go out and buy them than any gift would ever be well thank you and the reason why I put it on the protest is because you know having grown up and having been um, uh, what shall we say going against the norm of what most people celebrate around December um, and being a, a Jewish person having fought back the the temptation to get a Hanukkah bush 
and to uh, put Hanukkah stockings, um, I, I didn't want to give my parents any indication that I had somehow uh, surrendered. And I think the moment you told them that we, I was putting up a Christmas tree, I think your mother burst out laughing, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, she did. <laughs> so, um, it, yes, it was meaningful to me. And uh, while I appreciate that and I know how much it meant to you, I, I know that this year we will be celebrating both uh, Hanukkah and Christmas, a, a non-traditional Christmas uh, celebration, but to a Christmas celebration on the least. Like, there is the one tradition of going to bed on the 24th uh, while watching It's a Wonderful Life that I, I want to do, but it's up to you. Because it's not as Christmassy as some other might think. I, I found it really funny when I told you you were listening to Christmas uh, songs as you were putting your Christmas tree and, and you kind of looked at me and you said, what? And I said, well, did you know that the majority of those Christmas songs have been written by Jews and you were not really convinced? And you, What did you do next? <laughs> I googled Christmas songs Jewish singers and literally every song that I was singing came up and was like oh wow okay I guess uh, the Jewish culture did embrace Christmas as much as they probably didn't want to but they came around all I'm saying is we know how to party alright um, go Neil Diamond <laughs> so so aside from from the things that I've learned about your traditions and the things that your family have taught me about your family traditions what have you learned about Hanukkah uh, so what I've learned about Hanukkah since you and I have gotten together is a little bit more than I probably knew a year ago. Um, so I know that it celebrates for eight days. So the, when the day, when uh, Hanukkah starts, is not, uh, sorry, seven days, eight nights. Eight days, seven nights. <laughs> Literally, there's a, there's a Hanukkah right in front of you. So eight days. Yes. Eight days. So... <laughs> Uh, I put it as a prop that you actually uh, no, thank you thank you and you already got four candles on there so uh, Hanukkah celebrates the I'm going to get this wrong here so I apologize uh, there was enough oil in a lamp for one day and it was able to sell, uh, last eight days so um, the celebration is eight, light, eight days of light so when uh, and it, Hanukkah is not always in the same uh, day. It doesn't fall on the same days every year. Because Judaism follows a... Uh, not a Gregorian calendar. A lunar calendar. Lunar calendar. So this year on the 22nd, we will be lighting our first candle. And we will be doing that every single night until the last day of Hanukkah. And I hope this counts towards my redemption. <laughs> Any rabbi listening out there, thank you. I, I'm doing my best. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's been an interesting combination of both of our traditions, both of our likes and dislikes. I mean, if you look around this house right now, yep. it's um, it started off when we first decorated and you were complaining about the fact that you didn't see yourself in this house. Yeah, and I didn't because... Uh and I will be I'll be the first to admit uh, you had two households that we had to combine and I had one household that I had to combine into a, into this house right so uh, of course you would have a little bit more stuff but at the same time um, I wasn't seeing that and now I look back on them and I go there is parts of me that's in this it's just it's the way that I never collected the things that you collected or bought the things that you collected so I never I was never the art person right like my art considers going to Walmart and finding canvas of a streetscape and going that's art so it was it was very hard for me to come around with and then after a while I was like no this is my house and I just I just need to realize that his stuff is my stuff and my stuff is his stuff right so I I, I do apologize for that mm-hmm. well you know what and the thing was that although we had two sets of things uh, for my um, my apartment and in my home um, we also had things that we had uh, received as gifts for wedding and uh, during our wedding and the and the thing I wanted to do mostly was that uh, spend the time with you to find a place for these things and um, the majority of the things that I had put up up until then were just placeholders right yeah and it was a bit of a again jumping to conclusions on your part which I believe you do a lot of and I do and I do and I will be the first to admit that I jump to conclusions when there's uh, no need to do that right I'm doing this everyone so you understand so that I can listen back and whenever I have a fight that I need to win I can just play this podcast let's be honest you win most fights okay you know <laughs> typically usually wrong but no um, but 
the difference that we had between each other was uh, my my likes and your likes were never the same, and I think that's why we work so well. Because if you find someone who is so similar to you, you might not always uh, get that difference of opinion. And I like that we get that difference of opinion. And I like that we have different things in common because we, while we can be sitting in the same room together and not doing the same thing, we're still together and we still feel comfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. So, and one of those things, for example, is is the fact that you like to now play a couple of times. You you, you started playing video games yep. which quite frankly I had to go out and get a Super Nintendo 64 uh, uh, whatever it's called a, a clone uh, from Amazon because you know your your video games are a little too advanced for me I just don't well, know how to keep up no, with them no and I, and I get that and it wasn't that since you bought that I wanted to get it it was just like no, no. I, I got it because I knew I wasn't not going to be able to play the games that you played <laughs> oh okay <laughs> let's be clear but the fact is you play your games and, and I sit there and as you and know, you and I, yeah, <laughs> like two months ago, I decided that I wanted to uh, to start a new hobby, and I went on YouTube, downloaded a few videos, and I started talking to myself um, about uh, knitting oh, yeah. and purling and knitting and purling, and I have now come up with I think it's like four or five scarves that I've knitted, and in the it's process- always interesting when you hear you talking to yourself <laughs> two over one under two over one or one under two over three over two under. And thanks to you interrupting my count, I've had to start all over again. But we'll let's we'll just <laughs> let's leave, that. leave that to the side. Yeah. Well, you know what? Though it's it's kind of interesting because our lives have come uh, from very different places and very different backgrounds and somewhat similar family experiences. But you would say um, almost entirely different worlds. So how do you think this is working out for you? I think it's working out as better better than I could have ever imagined. Um, when we got married, there was there wasn't hesitation, I should say, because I really I knew I wanted to be with you for the rest of my life. But there was that moment when I went, okay, how do we make this work? Mm-hmm. Because and I said this in my speech at the dinner, the, the what comes next is the hard part, mm-hmm. right? Because the courtship, the wedding is the easy part. The court, the actual working towards two families or two lives becoming one life is the hard part. So when we first started doing it, and you have to remember that for the first eight months, nine months of our marriage, we never lived together, right? Well, we had the house, but we... we well, we had the house in March, but I was up in Slave Lake. Com- you were commuting. Exactly. So I was I was not here five days a week. Sometimes I wouldn't be here for 14 days because I would be stuck up there. So it was hard. But we were able to make it work. One thing that I like and you don't traditionally like is talking on the phone. So every time I call, I would feel like, okay, we're done talking now because I feel like he wants to go back to sleep. So I, I can see Or knitting. Or knitting or doing whatever you were doing. It's, so, it's odd having a conversation that is um, meaningful and, you know. Um, and I get that now. Yeah. But no. So let's be let's we'll call it as it is. We tr- didn't really technically start living together until October of this year. Sooner than that, but yeah. Okay. Like full time. Like I was here. Like I remember the first time I was here for a full week and it wasn't a holiday and I was working from here. I can say that I was shocked because we were able to pick up our roles so quickly and we were able to do what we needed to do in our own way. Because uh, I think I think the biggest shock that you've learned over the last year from me is I don't like sleeping that much. Unless I'm sick, unless something's going on, I like to rise early and stay awake until about nine, ten o'clock, and then go to bed. Right? We were getting to that part, <laughs> yes. So, uh, it, 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 the growing pains are still there, but at the same time, the growing pains aren't as bad as I thought they were going to be. So, well, well maybe not for you, but for me, they were. Let's just put it that put it out there. Okay. You have this uncanny ability that at five o'clock doesn't matter what time you go to bed. At five o'clock, five thirty in the morning, you are up and about and uh, the running joke between us has become well I guess the cows need to be uh, fed milked (laughs) milked and the the chickens need to be fed and whatever else needs to be done because you you have this almost like a farmer lifestyle you get up at 5.30 in the morning sometimes as late as 6 which is shocking to me (laughs) 
Um, and I, unless I have to work on that day, um, and especially because I've had the last four years very, uh, very uh, structured life, uh, I, I've taken the opportunity to sleep in until nine o'clock, ten o'clock in the morning, and then go to work. So, um, yeah, it's it's been quite an interesting um, uh, adjustment, but. From that to where we are today, do you find that you're adjusting to this new life? I think I've adjusted to it as much as I can, right? Like it, at first, it was hard to get a, get my head around the fact that you like to sleep. I'm one of those people who likes to get up and get going and do the things that I need to do for the day, so that way when I'm home at, at after work, I can sort of relax. So uh, it has become uh, an adjustment for me. And at first, I would start waking you up every like 10 minutes after I woke up and I think after the third time you threatened to kill me <laughs> I decided never to do that again there were threats of bodily harm I believe <laughs> yeah. I don't think I actually threatened to kill you for anyone who's listening um, but but from from that same thing, um, one of the things I've noticed about you is that you like structure. Yes. You like plans. Yes. You like to have um, like a week, a month, uh, yes. everything planned out. And, and, and you don't, and it bothers me to all extremes. So how, how have you been able to adjust to that? I think you... <laughs> You telling me that, you know what, it is what it is and we just have to, what it will happen when it happens and we'll just do it. And I think that sort of helped me get through the whole idea that everything needs to be structured because I still am a structured person, right? You are. I, I, I like to know what I'm going to do Monday morning to what I'm going to do mon- till I go to bed Monday night. Every day of the week, seven days a week. Mm-hmm. So adjusting to your lifestyle of getting up when you want to doing what you want to being where you want to be that has been a challenge for me and the only way that I've been able to really get your uh lifestyle I want to say in that sense to become more of my lifestyle and grow accustomed to that is take the mantra of it's going to happen when it happens. I just have to let it be. Well, it, it, to be fair, because as a flight attendant, I don't have a set schedule, right? Yeah. Sometimes I have flights very early in the morning and I'm actually up earlier than you. Yep. And other times when I'm going overseas, they don't leave until six o'clock. So I'll get up late to kind of get adjusted to the time zone that I'm going into. So just not, no, that, not that I'm not that I'm. But, but the reason why I bring this up is because there's one thing um, that we've talked about a lot, and that is perhaps in our future future, there being the possibility of having kids. Yes. And one of the things that I, I always thought about when, um, uh, with respect to parenting is that you can't predict and you can't schedule and you, in, in as much as you want to have a structured, um, upbringing and, and, and you can't put, uh, and, and children do need limits. You can't put a schedule to them because they are their own little, um, uh, you know, agents of the universe who will do things and will throw things at you. And one of the things that I, I think I worried about when we first started talking about that was the fact that you were very regimented. Oh, and I agree. Like, I think you will be the first to admit that you've seen that regiment schedule when it comes to our personal lives sort of go by the wayside. Mm-hmm. Because I think I still bring that regiment uh, to work. Like, when I get up, is I do work from home, I do get up, I watch some TV, I have my breakfast, and then 7, 7 o'clock, 7.30, I'm downstairs working. And I do admire that because when you're saying you're going to work, you literally go into your office yeah. and then I see you during your coffee breaks and, yeah. and your lunch break. Yeah. And the rest of the time you're in the office and I try to respect this, uh, your, your space because me too, I got things that I'm doing. Exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's one of the other things that we have talked about. And and, um, and when it comes to kids, and I, I know like my brother's going through this right now, I'm pretty sure he had the same outlook on life with everything being strong everything has to be the way it is but children come along and they throw that in the air right Mm -hmm. and we have started talking about that and maybe who knows what's going to happen in the next year but I can say that for the for that bridge to be crossed, we'll have to wait to see, right? Because mm-hmm. I think once a child comes into play, then it's completely up creek without a paddle, and we just have to say, 
what are you gonna do exactly <laughs> and and that's the thing in in my own uh, way i was trying to see if you would be flexible enough to actually adjust to that to be fair oh and i think i am like i, I know that i have strange sleeping patterns do not get me wrong i sleep weirdly mm-hmm. i think i will be the first to admit that but at the same time i like when i'm awake i like that i get up early and i do everything that i need to do and i clean up the house a bit because i'm get i'm into my zone you're still sleeping you're under your zone because when i go to bed sometimes you're still asleep right mm-hmm. so that's the other issue is not the other issue but the other side of the coin is you have your time after i go to bed that you get to do whatever you want to do right mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about entertaining me don't not that we have to entertain each other 24 7 you are very entertaining <laughs> let me just say thank you um but you uh you have your few hours that you sit uh decompress and then at five o'clock in the morning i wake up six o'clock in the morning i wake up and then i have my few hours to decompress before you get to bed yeah. or wake up it's interesting you say that because i i never really felt the need to have uh, my own time no um no because like i said when you're in your office i i hardly see you and um and i guess i you know make my own way and do the things i want to do most of the time i'm planning uh, a meal or planning what it is that i'm going to be doing on my london or frankfurt layover or my tokyo layover uh looking ahead weather that kind of thing but if not then uh you know looking at uh, family and things that i can be doing with them um so it's kind of kind of interesting you said that but anyway it's not about me it's about you i keep forgetting that um i love listening to your chat <laughs> <laughs> well and in, in, in getting back to this one of the things that i admire about you is the fact that you are very um, focused in career when it comes to your career especially you're very focused and you talked to me about this podcast a long time ago and and you kind of gave me a, uh, some thoughts about you know what it could look like and what you were planning on doing and and i never really understood exactly what it is you were planning to do but now that i've heard uh, the podcast and i heard the people that you've interviewed and, and the way you go about preparing for these um, i find it fascinating so can you tell me more about the process that you've taken in and what you've learned from doing this podcast so i i think the very first conversation we had about doing a podcast was uh babe i'm thinking about doing a podcast what's your thoughts and you said what's the format and i said it's like a it's like a talk show it's just two people sitting down having a conversation and he goes well i'd have to listen to it before i do anything and i go well i'm not going to record an episode until like i start doing it but okay thanks for your moral support there which you were supportive and i think I that was like a week before we went on vac- uh went on our honeymoon i had no idea what you were planning on doing that's no, why no exactly because i i was very it was still in its inf- uh, infancy right mm-hmm. it was still throwing some stuff around um the reason I got into it is because driving back and forth to Slave Lake every week that I was doing when I, I came down here Friday night, went up Sunday morning or Sunday night or even Monday morning sometimes, I would listen to podcasts because I, I, tradi- traditional radio for me is becoming so washed. There's a lot of the same radio stations out there playing the same songs, playing the same songs at the same time. So even if you miss a song, you're going to hear it on the next radio station you hear. So I, I, I started listening the podcast and the thing I found about them is the in-depth conversation that people are willing to give when it's not on camera when it's just two people in a room is so much more uh, genuine than if I was to go talk to someone on Twitter I will admit social media is a dark place and while you need it for to get your name out there to do things I hate that people have retreated behind keyboards to talk to each other and that's where this com- this podcast comes into play I I'm trying to open up that conversation and start having those conversations even if it's a like uh small talk it's just starting a conversation with people and when my process for the podcast when i come into the interview is i don't do research i hate when people do research i want to know from you what you think is important so i I just had someone this week and i was talking to her and she said like i'm very happy that you're doing this because not no no one's talking anymore right they just want to bash behind keyboards and well as a former politician you know Mm -hmm. bash behind keyboards and start throwing things at people because they don't know the full story and they don't want to know the full story and I hope that this podcast does that it tells a story 
So I've I've got to interview some great people over the last few months that I've launched this. And I, I have so many great people that have, have come to me and said they want to be on. So I want, I want to try and do that in the new year, which we'll be doing start, uh, like in a few weeks, starting in January. But overall, I this podcast, like I said, it's all about just two people having a conversation that we, this, this society so desperately needs right now. Well, you know, and, and yeah, well, listening to you, um, kind of putting that idea to um, when we first started talking about this, it spoke to me. As you know, I was very big on social media and now I have virtually disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most of your people that are still trying to contact you contact you through me. <laughs> yeah, because you know what? I, I was out there. I was on 24-7 and it wasn't always a very pleasant conversation that was taking place. And it wasn't really a conversation. It was most of the time um, either um, sending out uh, one-way communications in terms of information uh, as to the things we're doing in either government or the party um, and on the other hand getting some really nasty either direct messages or emails or whatever so I, I was turned off to be fair um, to what social media entailed yeah. and then you kind of introduced me to the podcast idea and I've started listening to others and I find it fascinating because even in the news I mean you and I have been watching news and um, being politically savvy as we are we know that what we're hearing is never the full story yeah. It's all and spin, right? It's all spin. And so it leaves us with having to go and do our own research. And the art even of journalism is being lost. I think it's uh, in many respects is is under threat because, um, you know, conglomerates have taken up and there's very biased uh, um, reporting being done. I've experienced it. I've seen it being done. And so I found the idea of your podcast um, from that respect, you having a journalism background and um, and me having a political background, um, I didn't know exactly what it was going to look like or what it was going to do, but I'm, I'm actually very, very proud of you for the work you've done. Well, thank you. Well, and that was the other thing. As a former journalist, I, I, I kept on seeing, and I did this all the time, and I will admit that every journalist does it, you, you sit down, you interview someone for 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, and you use four quotes that last probably about 10 seconds apiece. So out of a 10-minute interview, you're getting 40 seconds of that person. And that's the great thing about podcasting. And especially this one. And, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but I will. I press play. I press record. I record the podcast. There's no editing. There's no taking out quotes. There's no editing what the person said. It's what a conversation between two people is really like. And I, I hope that's coming across because while we are growing our subscription base and our listeners, I hope people are still getting what I'm getting out of this. Is Because when I'm talking to people, and right now it's been mostly former politicians. We do have a few other great uh, shows coming up here soon. But when I'm talking to people, I'm getting to know the person behind that Twitter uh, handle or that Facebook photo, right? And I think that's what I want is just to sit down, relax, have an open conversation, press record, and let people listen to what that person has to say, right? Because some interviews I've done, I've learned stuff when I've interviewed them. And I've gone whoa, I didn't expect that from you, and they've gone, yeah. So I'm hoping people are learning about the people that they've been bashing, but at the same time, I hope that they're learning that, you know what, there are people behind those that political figure, that artist, that entertainer, that weightlifter, that um, the, the car enthusiast, the gun hunter. So it's not just a person is just uh, de- just determined by what they are, but there's a story behind who they are. And you know, what's interesting um, <coughs> to me and, and what really um, blew my mind is the fact that I always thought that I knew my daughter really well. And then I heard the podcast you did with her and I learned so much about her that I didn't know before and it blew my mind. It really did. Well, and that's the thing. And th- those are the special weeks that we do do. So we recently did, uh, we've done Country Music Week, we've done Women's Week and we've done Municipal Week. And for Women's Week, I wanted to hear from directly from women on what they thought. And I will admit that uh, I, I, I've only talked to your daughter once or twice in my life. Uh, I'd say probably about a handful of times. And we Real- 
conversations. Yeah, I mean, we all know conversations. We never got to sit down and have that conversation. So when we did, the amount of stories that she had, we probably barely scratched the surface. Mm. And I will admit, you raised a... Uh, fine human being there and oh, thank you. she is one of the people that I will look up to because honestly she has struggled in her life and I couldn't believe that she was so open about that and the thing is uh, um, I, and I think I mentioned this to you before I those are the kind of conversations that her and I have right yeah. like we've never been uh, ones to hide things from each other I, I mean I'm, I'm sure that there are things that you, she's never told me that she's told her friends but um, for the most part I I, I pride myself in the fact that we have a very open communication and even in spite of that uh, there were things I learned about her that I didn't even know and it wasn't from lack of conversation or because the topic was completely off it was just that you know um, you asked questions that I never thought of before and you approached her in a different perspective and, and you took that conversation in a, in a really interesting direction so um, I, I saw the value of the podcast medium <laughs> shall we say and while I was a skeptic before, um, I find it's really refreshing. I, I hope so, because I honestly think that uh, uh, we lack the ability to talk to each other anymore with the rise of social media, and I hope that while it's one in a billion or how many podcasts are out there, it's one in one gem that can be sh- uh, show somebody the light that we need to start con- talking to each other, and that's what all it is. It's just an open conversation between two three people and just talking about what's pissed off what's pissed off them what's made them happy what's their life being like because you know what and it goes back to like high school uh, and you're learning about how you know what that doctor's daughter who goes to uh, who goes to the same school as you who works with you may seem happy but when she goes home she's depressed Mm -hmm. so you know what there are stories out there that need to be told and I just hope that you know what people start talking to each other again start getting things off their chest because we are a society that is going towards the shitter if we don't start respecting each other like we used to so tell me what's what's in store what's in the future for uh, the podcast what direction are you going so this is the last episode for 2019 uh, we're going to take a few weeks break and we're going to come back in late January and then we got some great episodes uh, uh, I'm uh, working with my producer wink wink my husband <laughs> to come up with some great new topics for our weekly uh, series I know we have started those conversations but uh, we sit down with a former leadership candidate in the new year a weightlifter uh, a person who went to French immersion school in Alberta you don't hear that too often and that's what I wanted to sit c'est moi monsieur there moi, you, go. Uh, you guys to do a French edition of the podcast <laughs> Yeah, so uh, that, and then I want to I want to take it on the road. Uh, I know a few people in Saskatchewan who want to be on the podcast, so I want to take it on the road and go there. I know a few people in Ontario who want to be on the podcast, so and then start working my connections. And the great thing about podcasts, and I, I will be the first to admit this, I did not see this coming. If you ask, people will traditionally say yes. And that's because I, I think one of the attractions, for me at least now, is the fact that you will not be edited, that you will not be made into a caricature and you will not be reduced to however many characters fit the the narrative you're trying to put out there. Right? Yeah. It's an actual conversation. So that's... Well, and that's the thing. And honestly, like like I said, I, I've not been able... I've, I think I've had one person who I've approached who has said, maybe not now, give me a few months and I might be able to work up the courage to do it because mm. she was so nervous to actually be on air mm. so she didn't want to do it. and I, I respected that but everyone else who I've approached has said okay what's the format what are the questions and I say I don't have questions I don't do the whole questions thing and I the format is two people having a conversation where it goes where it goes because again going back to a podcast that I released earlier this month or back uh, the first week of December or no, last week of November sorry um, the woman said I did, was it what you expected and she goes no because I was expecting it to go one way and I said oh well I never do that mm. I let it to be a conversation and the person who I'm interviewing 
leads the way the story goes. Mm-hmm. And I will interject from time to time if I have a question. I, I, I did that with Trevor Horn. He was talking about why he, uh, what his sense of duty was, and he said it was my grandfather, and he was one of the people that was in Diefenbaker's cabinet. And I went, whoa, whoa, and we talked about that for five minutes. Mm-hmm. So you just never know where the conversation is going to go. And I love that because I have learned a lot about the people I've interviewed. I've learned a lot about myself. And I'm just glad to be back interviewing people because, and yet again, to boast, boost myself as a former award-winning journalist. Uh, Go on. <laughs> I'm proud to uh, be able to be back into the field that I've enjoyed so much. And I missed because for the last six years that I've been out of journalism, I've missed it. And I'm glad that I'm here and I'm sitting down and doing what I'd love to do is interview people. So if anybody wanted, wants to be interviewed by you, how will they be going about to contact you? So there's many ways that they can contact me. Um, first one would be, hey, reach out on Twitter. It's Cross Border Podcast or uh, C underscore Brown Alberta. Uh, I'll put the notes in the show notes after we're done here because I, I don't even know my Twitter handle. Or you can find us on Facebook, Christopher W. Brown or Cross Border Podcast. We're on Instagram as well. So just reach out to us. Uh, and Or you can go to our website, crossborderinterviews.ca. Well, I think we have reached the end of our, our hour together, perhaps a little bit longer. <laughs> no, we actually have one minute to hit until an hour. But. Well, before we run out, before we run out, I want to say, first of all, thank you for giving me the opportunity to turn the tables around on you. Yep. Um, and uh, hopefully I was a good uh, interviewer. You have done amazing. Mazel tov. Thank you. <laughs> Second of all, I want to say a Merry Christmas to all of your listeners. Yeah. And also Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, and quite frankly, the best New Year to everyone out there. Um, I hope that uh, you continue listening to the podcast, that you reach out to Christopher because he would love to have the conversation, these conversations with you. I think that as a community, we come closer and we learn more about each other by having conversations rather than Twitter wars. And uh, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to do this. No, and thank you for doing this. I know it was putting you on the spot. And when I first approached you about it, you were a little nervous and you go, I'm going to need to write questions. I was like, yeah, you don't need to write questions. And you, you wrote in Spanish, so I wouldn't be able to understand uh, what the questions were. So Some of it is in Hebrew, actually, but whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Three different <laughs> languages. It's okay. So, no, thank you very much for doing this. Greatly appreciate it. You're most welcome. And that's it for the final episode of the Cross Border Interview Podcast for 2019. I want to thank all of our great guests and our special host for the episode and everyone who's tuned in in 2019. We have some great things coming up in 2020, so please tune in, subscribe. Uh, If you haven't already, subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher, wherever you find your podcast needs, and follow us on social media. Look us up at Cross Border Interview Podcast. And we want to wish everyone a happy New Year's and all the best in 2020. Thank you for listening to the Cross Border Interview Podcast. We will be back January 18th with an all-new episode of the Cross Border Interview Podcast. Mm -hmm.